0: Here we go, rejecting the screen. Brought to you by Built Bar, builtbar.com. It's the best tasting set of protein bars you'll find with really low sugar, low calorie. Just go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked On. get $10 off your first order. Noah accounts out here on the East Coast, out West, Adam Stanko. Last dance is over. So now what? Let's get to that hmm. in a moment. But the flu game, game six, 1997. It just doesn't pass the smell test. Now, I had heard the stories about food poisoning for years, and I'm sure you had too. But that's the first time I had ever heard that pizza story from security guard and George, and Blanket on his last name, sorry, with an H, and Tim Grover. And Jordan. Adam. George Kohler. George Kohler. George Kohler. Adam, how does someone get up to Michael Jordan's room knowing that it is Michael Jordan's room with food the night before game five of the NBA finals? Noah,
1: that's the the question that now is on. It should be on everybody's mind because I'm with you. I had never heard that before. Obviously the flu game, then, then it turned into the hangover game and And then you started to hear food poisoning. That started to come out a little bit, but I didn't know a pizza. No place was open in Salt Lake City night before a game. And I also know, and not only am I questioning how food could have gotten up to the room that you knew was Michael Jordan's room, but then the story becomes five guys are there delivering the pizza, which, of course, I had never heard that part of it before. But also Tim Grover, who's more responsible for Mike's body than anyone not named Michael Jordan, he didn't feel right about it, and Grover says this, but then everyone around him who didn't eat the pizza still allows him to go ahead and eat it. I I know Michael Jordan's hungry, and I know that, that he wields a big stick, if you will, in terms of his influence about what he's going to do, but these are all the people that he listens to, his advisors. If they didn't feel right about it, they're letting him eat the pizza. That it's just a strange. The whole thing does not sit well with me either.
0: No pun intended. I'm sure. <laughs> if if there's nothing open and Tim Grover didn't think the pizza was right, then go to a convenience store, go to a gas station, get some oatmeal, get something. I mean, there's a, there's a gas station is always open. You can always go to one of those stopping shops or whatever the quick marts. And you can get something. You might have to drive a while, but you can get there. Two. How did? How was it known that it was going to Michael Jordan? Was that the only way that a pizza place would deliver at that time of night, saying um, it's for Michael Jordan? You've got to get it here. If so, that's really reckless on Jordan's party's part. How that's do you a great allow? Point. Then how, do you, then how do you allow them to get up to the room for room service? You meet them in the lobby because Grover said there are five guys delivering it and they're all trying to get a peek of Michael. So they knew it was for Michael Jordan. So why not just meet them in the lobby? There are way, we're way too many things here that don't pass the smell test.
1: That's a great call. I hadn't thought about it in those terms and, uh, you're in the middle of the NBA finals. You're in Salt Lake city where everyone is, is going nuts about, about, you know, and this is the hype. This is the hype of Jordan mania. The hype machine is out of control, all that kind of stuff. So of course you couldn't use his name. I'll tell you, Noah, I have a very close friend, one one of my best friends in the world. His name is actually Michael Jordan. He lives in Chicago.
0: So, great. And, so and, great. and
1: it's funny because how this applies, he, sometimes would tell me he'd like call for for reservations at restaurants and stuff and get hung up on. Or he has packages delivered to his house in Chicago. He lives downtown in Chicago and he gets stuff delivered to his house and he just sees the look on the delivery folks face when he comes to the door and they go, Oh, Oh, you're Michael Jordan. And then it's just a deflated look. And it, it is funny. Like, there's no reason you would have to use MJ's name unless no you, that's a I hadn't thought about that unless it was the only way you were going to get the food because otherwise you would just say hey I'm Tim Grover I'm ordering a pizza right now for <laughs> delivery and they said that was the only right. place open so why would you ever use Jordan's name if if that's the case and then like you said you could just easily do it in the lobby which is also the whole thing is is strange to me it's also strange how like what how this story evolved like it was always flu-like symptoms they said it during the game broadcast and i'm still sort of in shock over the idea that why would it matter if you had the flu or you had food poisoning and you had to call out of work like why would you hold on to this other story or this other theory that's the other one that didn't make sense to me that's good why why not correct anyone oh no it would have been a very simple correction. Oh, I, I wasn't sick with the flu. I actually, I think it's food poisoning. Like, why is that? Or just no one ever bothered to correct or look into it? I, I don't know. Right, or, or maybe
0: that would make him seem human that he got food poisoning and that there was a mistake made on his part. I don't know. But why also, why couldn't, if that place was open, why couldn't Tim Grover or somebody else have gone and picked up the pizza himself? Yeah. I, none of that stuff... As
1: actually makes sense to me and it's a, it's a pretty wild though noah that game 38 points which was his third highest performance scoring wise in that in that playoffs um against the bullets in the first round he had the 55 point game and then and then of course in in game 6 he, he went off for uh, 39 so surpassed it but the idea that he played nearly 45 minutes on that night uh which once again the minutes have become a big thing ever since the very beginning of, of the last dance where we're questioning how many minutes Jordan played. But still remarkable what that guy was uh, able to accomplish
0: um, throughout his run, for sure. So episode nine started with the Pacers series, a great, a great series. And what I didn't need to hear from Jordan was it became personal with me. Yeah, dude. We <laughs> get it. We get it. We it heard your was. Hall of
1: Fame speech.
0: Right. Like this, this list that he has, like he's got to have a copy of it somewhere. This list that he has is better than the Billy Madison list. <laughs> the kill list? <laughs> the kill list. It's better than that yeah. list. Every, everybody's on this list. It'd be a whole lot easier. It's like, it's like in uh, that Seinfeld episode when Kramer tries to be movie phone. And George calls it, and then Kramer's like, why don't you just tell me the movie you want to (laughs) see? Why don't you just tell me who's not on the list? It would make make life a whole lot easier for all of us. I don't know. I I, I love the documentary. But I just got beat over the head by it was personal. It was personal. It was personal. We get it. We get it. Especially because
1: we know that so many of them Those slights are are made up in his head. They're contrived. It's not real. Obviously, the LeBradford Smith one later up, then that was the great reveal. It never even happened. But there's also the part of that that, like, why even say it then publicly? There's that other part that I'm sort of blown away with. It wasn't just that MJ had these slights against him that he used for motivation. But then it's the idea that, OK, fine, you find some way you don't like the way that guy looks. And so you're or you don't like how he talked to you or said good game after the game. Fine. I can accept that. But what's so strange about Jordan through the years is like we know about all his personal vendettas. Like, why are we aware of them that he has to talk about all things? Well, well, I think,
0: well, well, we've talked about it before that this grows the mythology. So it's it is furthering the point, which I understand of I'm a killer. I'm you a killer. I'm gonna rip your heart out. It don't, I don't. You looked at me wrong. You. You're wearing. You're wearing my shoes. I'm gonna make sure that, like you said, told Vin Baker. Who, right. Vin told us on the on on the podcast a few weeks ago. Like you, you know, don't forget who's on the back of your shoes. When he told Reggie Miller on Black Jesus. Noah. Yeah, it it, it Noah, all grows in his the retirement
1: mythology. speech. In his retirement know, speech, that's embarrassing. He said he said that Charles Barkley wouldn't win a championship because he didn't compete hard enough. That was his friend who he had played on the dream team Mm -hmm. with and one of his best friends in all of basketball. And in his retirement speech, he's taking time out to knock Barkley for his lack of work ethic. And while he'll never win one to once again, get sort of a leg up on these guys, but also I'm with you to add to the mythology. And I will say about the mythology, no, too. One of the great moments I thought, and there were a bunch of great moments that I think were unearthed, and I thought Jason Hare did a wonderful job of making moments feel big. Moments Mm -hmm. that needed to feel big, he made feel really big. Through music, through letting the stuff breathe, the production Mm -hmm. value on this stuff was outstanding. When Jordan is talking to, again, a guy that should have been in the opening credits of this documentary, Ahmad Rashad, before game seven, against the Pacers, Eastern Conference Finals. And you're feeling the tension of just how big the game is and Ahmad sort of like adding to it, like some can, some can't, that whole thing. And I just thought, wonderful scene. But then when Jordan has this like real moment to him, I felt like where it was part ribbing, but it was also real. It was like, you could feel how big and pressurized the moment was. And he says, don't start talking to Scotty Burrell don't let Scotty Burrell hear this because in a way Jordan understood too, he could take that stuff on Mm -hmm. and he could live up to whatever it was, but he also understood for these other guys, as much as he beat them down, I thought of that was a very human moment. It was Mm -hmm. like, Nope, that guy's not going to be able to withstand it. And I think some people might've taken that as a knock on Scott Burrell, but I don't think it was. I think that's Jordan just understanding that some guys can handle that and
0: some can't. But there was a Bulls player who was gravely overlooked in episodes 9 and 10. So,
1: Noah, Bilt Bar has been changing the game in my household. It's hard enough for us to keep food in the house, four kids. We're eating like crazy, obviously, not you know, eating Sky, meals. Sky,
0: Skyler, five, five weeks old, really just killing those, killing those Bilt Bars.
1: Well, I wasn't necessarily counting her, but I was saying that Noah <laughs> that, that, that Noah that that Hudson, my three year old's eating for two at this point. The guy's a monster. He is a monster. So yes, my five year old, while she's not raiding the the snack drawer, the energy <laughs> energy drawer, she uh my my son's handling that. My two teenage daughters and Bilt Bar is is the one they just keep coming back to. It's crazy. And it's because these things taste so good. It's a protein bar, obviously. But it really does taste like a candy bar. They have all these flavors, 16 of them in total, eight chocolate nut flavors, and then eight that that are chocolate nut-free flavors, 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. They're covered in 100% chocolate. It's crazy. They're healthy. They aren't packed with sugar, which is keeping my wife happy. You know she's already upset about the sugar intake in in this household, but you know you take like peanut butter brownie, you no, know, I know you're a peanut butter guy, mm-hmm. three grams of sugar, twenty grams of protein, which is crazy for me, mint brownie, fifteen grams of protein, four grams of sugar. so this isn't like a cliff bar where it's like basically a candy bar masquerading as an energy bar. These things are protein bars, but they taste like candy. Go to Biltbar.com, use the promo code locked on. You get ten dollars off your first order. Use the promo code locked on, ten dollars
0: off Biltbar.com. So as I'm watching episodes nine and ten, I'm thinking, Where's Tony Kukoach? Where's the love for Tony Kukoc? So and and afterwards, I was after the show was over, I was talking to Will Perdue last night, and and I just watched Will Perdue do a little breakdown of episodes nine and ten. And his big takeaway was the same thing. And and I wrote down in my notes game seven Eastern Conference Finals. MJ, nine for 25, 10 of 15 from the free throw line. He had nine rebounds, eight assists. Pippin, six for 18, 0 for five from three. coach because they showed Steve Kerr hit a number of big shots. But then there's Tony Kukoc, seven for 11, three of four from three, 21 points. And then game six of the um of the finals kukoc goes for 30. where was where was the love for tony kukoc where at the beginning of the documentary he was getting pissed on for not being able to play in the nba during the 92 olympics
1: and then was just such a critical part and by the way such a critical part that was missed out on the storyline that Phil Jackson was going to be gone, whether Michael was going to stay. Kukoc was going to be the key piece as they move forward. And they thought that they could make this thing work. If you have Michael and you have Kukoc, all of a sudden, Scottie Pippen's expendable. Tony Kukoc did a lot of things in terms of not on the defensive end that Pippen did, but did a lot of things in terms of his versatility, which made it so that your roster was a lot more malleable because you had a guy like Tony Kukoc. And on the Pippen point, Noah, in that Eastern Conference finals, uh, in the three critical games against the Pacers, game one, Scottie Pippen, one of nine. Game six, six of 16. I mean, six of, say, 18, one of five from three. And then, as you mentioned, game seven, six of 18, again, oh for five from three. So there were big spots, and it wasn't just then, but throughout many of the playoff performances in which Scottie Pippen disappeared, Tony Kukoc, Kukoc was a critical piece to this whole mm-hmm. thing. And like I said, he, was a, he, he could play the point. He could play power forward for you. He could start. He could come off the bench. There were so many things they did with him throughout his career, and he grew so much. And, and like you said, you have to pay it off. When you're, when you're playing up so much about how they were nervous about him not becoming an NBA player, you have to pay off that he became a damn good NBA player for those Bulls teams.
0: Yeah, not just with the one shot, the 1.2 seconds left that Pippen decided to sit out and in 94 and Kukoc hit the shot. Not just that, but how critical he was in 97 and 98. Another thing that I watched that hit me and I wish they, they would bring back to the NBA is not it's not best of five, although I've been calling for that for years, is the MVP trophy on the court before a game. Mm. And what, and what that does to, for the other team, for motivation, what it does for a home crowd, which leads me to the other point, thinking about the, the runs that the, like when Reggie Miller said, and then we knew we were finished when the Bulls started going on the run and the place was deafening Mm and my thought was imagine this with no fans.
1: That's a great call. That's a great call. Yeah. It's, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to imagine, which is why, and that can get us into a larger discussion, but it it's why i'm I'm hesitant i i mean there's there's a purity that's going to be lost, and people have talked about the idea of well, it'll still mean something. I know Reggie Miller had talked about it the other day, like if you play with no fans, will it mean something? I think it was Reggie who did, one of the greats, but they said, yeah, it still means something, but it's not the same. And it's, it's because of that. And, I, and I've thought about the no fans thing, too. When you get not even the playoffs, but critical moments in end of NBA regular season games, role players, especially on the road, oftentimes come up flat, come up short. We see these guys playing Rucker Park or in the Dickman or something, and they go off and you go, wow, that guy has that kind of ability. Yeah, but he can't do it with the lights on and with all the fans there. It's a different game altogether. So without fans would be something wild to see. There's no there's no question about that, how much it could impact games. I thought, no, two things that I wanted to hit on for you. One was the amount of shooters that Jordan played with. I thought Kraus didn't get a chance to get attention for. I, I think you can make the argument. Sometimes you could say maybe Krause gets too much credit. Sometimes he doesn't get enough. I think the one thing that you can point to, though, is that I always thought it was brilliant of him. Jordan attacks, especially in that triangle from the wing. And he always had shooters around him, especially at the point guard position, elite shooters, not just average guys. Steve Kerr, one of the greatest shooters the game has seen. Obviously we saw what Paxson did in big spots and Kerr learned from Paxson and Craig Hodges, who got no love whatsoever in this documentary, but what was like three times in a row was was, uh, the NBA three-point shooting champ. So... It was also so difficult for opposing point guards to double Jordan. And that was like a strategic schematic thing that they didn't really go into. Not to mention the idea Tony Kukoc was a shooter. Luke Longley was a center who could shoot. It was always thought of by Krauss that if you put shooters around Jordan, you can space the floor. It'll be harder to double team him. And I always thought that was smart strategically um, that they did. And then the um, the other part that was interesting to me was was just how deep they went into the Steve Kerr story. And I just, I love Steve Kerr. And I thought it was really cool to see for the first time Kerr talk about that moment on the sidelines, that iconic shot of Jordan saying, Hey, look, we'll probably go to you and Kerr, I'll, I'll be ready. I'll be ready. And you always think so it's great. this moment of confidence. So oh, and so that he's so self-deprecating. It said like, he was like a little kid, like, Oh, I can do it. I can do it coach. Oh, it
0: just—it's uh, great. Because Michael was trying to be secretive because he knew that the cameras were on him, and he was covering his hands, he was covering his, yes. his, he was covering his mouth and his hands, and yes. and Kurt "No, I'm good, I'm good, yeah, yeah, I'm good." It's like the kid who can't whisper, and you're like trying to, tell, you're trying to tell him, like, "No, sh- and hey, exactly." And and one more for you, as a, as a
1: broadcaster, I know you'd appreciate this. I always loved, and I was glad that we got a snippet of it, but in real time. During that NBA Finals, everyone talks about the shot that Jordan hit. But as a fan, I was so enamored with that whole sequence. 41 seconds, Jordan gets the layup really quickly, can't be stopped, comes down. When he got the steal on Karl Malone, Doug Collins on the replay of that broke the play down so perfectly. And you talk about how difficult it is for players sometimes, but broadcasters too, blow the moment. They aren't aware of what's going on. They might point out the wrong Mm -hmm. thing. And Doug Collins, who's always been a fantastic color guy, was so good about the fact that here was this cross screen uh, in the low post, and he basically said that Jordan never left his man and just turned and went back to Malone because he knew. And and I thought playing up that whole sequence, and and I thought, again, Hare did a great job of that, is what, to me, that sequence, just the, the defensive play and then into the shot, showed Jordan's greatness and tried to put some context for today's for the folks that didn't see it back then that as fans as we were back then, we could understand Jordan was always going to do that. When you were a fan of the opponent, you were like, uh-oh, no lead is big enough. Mm-hmm. There's no situation which you feel comfortable because Jordan will find a way. And and obviously he did. And Collins's call was just incredible.
0: And I I've always thought and I think about it every time I'm preparing for a big moment is Bob Costas call of the Jordan shot, which is just simply Jordan open Chicago with the lead. So because he, le- he leaves himself with Jordan open, and then he leaves himself an opportunity to, with a miss or a make, to be able to describe it briefly. It's not Jordan open cross this, that, no, it was just simple. Jordan open Chicago with the lead. And then Bulls called timeout, and then he would go on to say that may have that may have been, and we don't know what will transpire. But that may have been the last shot of Michael Jordan's career. We've talked about cigars so much. <laughs> okay. Just one more about a cigar. Just one more. Let me tell you about one of the most useful apps on my phone. And really, especially now, since there's just not a whole lot of time when you're a full-time kindergarten teacher to get your work done and do everything else. And you want to read and it's called Blinkist. It's really unique and it works on any one of your devices. And it takes the best key takeaways, all that need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down in just 15 minutes that you can either read or listen to. And that's what I like so much about blinkist and i've used it on airplanes and now i'm using it at home so the book i have right now it's the organized mind by daniel levitin which i need Hmm. i need the need some sort of organization amongst this chaos so with blinkist you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books all the books you want For one low price, they've got politics, science, psychology, productivity is where the organized mind is, philosophy, parenting, Mm -hmm. money and investment, plenty of sports books. So right now, limited time, Blinkist special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash MBA. You try it free, seven days. And Save 25% off your new subscription. So Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial, and you'll also save 25%, but only when you sign up right now, Blinkist.com slash NBA. Blinkist.com slash NBA. So Jordan's smoking a cigar on the plane to game six. He had that, he had that cigar in his mouth playing cards on the plane, going to game six. And I'm thinking his security guy, his guy Gus, had lung cancer. And I'm thinking, was it, I don't know Gus's family history, and I'm not just wildly speculating here. It was just, because I don't know if Gus smoked, but Jordan is just smoking around him all the time, and then he's on the airplane. It looked like it was lit. Smoking a cigar, playing cards in the back of the airplane. How does how does that happen? It, and Noah, it'd be easy to say, well, yeah, it was a
1: different time, but it, it, it. We're not talking about this being 1968. This is, you know, late 90s. Yeah, maybe so, it wasn't
0: lit. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't I, lit. I,
1: he's chewing on an unlit cigar. I don't know. It's. I had not thought about that that part of it, but. It's, it's true. I, I, I would only <laughs> yeah, right? say that only MJ, only MJ. I
0: don't, I don't know how else you would even put it. So now that last dance is over, the question is now what? Well, I'm not going to be staying up as late on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. fine with that. Been watching the Americans. Been watching season two of dead to me on Netflix, which is stressful mm. and, and funny. Have you have you watched it? I have not watched it. It
1: is not one of the many shows that we've either watched or is close to
0: being in the rotation. Okay, and the new one is I'm watching on FXX is Dave. So I love Dave. So the, I so we, Dave. I just watched the pilot. Lil Dicky, the rapper, is from mm-hmm. my neighboring town. He's from Cheltenham, right? That's, and that's our, that's my neighboring town. I'm from Abington and that's our rival high school. And he played in a basketball league that my dad ran for years. And so my dad knows him. No, he's known him since he was a little kid. And so it was, it was hit over my head. Like, yeah, you gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. So I watched the pilot with Marissa and it was hilarious. Oh, it yeah, is, we finished the it's season. Such, it's, it's such amazing. a great laugh. Wait, how many? So did season two start yet or is just one? No, season. no,
1: they just announced they'll be bringing it back for season two. But they they, they went
0: through. There's 10 episodes in season one. So good. So, I'll tell you, that the I'm watching it on FXX, On Demand or whatever it is, uh, on my computer. And it is an awful viewing experience, like with the ads cutting in, out ads breaking and then playing the last few seconds of the previous scene before I went to add, it's a terrible experience. But despite that. Yeah. I'm watching on Hulu. It's
1: different. We got a free trial with Showtime so that I could watch. um, uh, What was that? The basketball County, the Kevin Mm. Durant, Michael Mm -hmm. Beasley.
0: Prince George's County. Yeah, A
1: lot of really good video. A lot of strong video in that doc really cool to see all the players the demathus stuff like it's amazing what they've done like they say like what's in the water there all the guys that have come out Ty Lawson Nolan Smith and company um but i was disappointed with the way that thing was put together um hmm. so i had to get sour taste out of my mouth especially after watching last dance and what they did with yeah. the music and the editing so i i then watched the ben simmons one and done which i had never seen Uh, it was like an hour and a half. It was really interesting actually about like his whole go go from, did you ever see it? Go Mm -hmm. from Australia through Mm LG. So it was interesting to watch that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, I'll I'll dive into some old games. I think that we got to do that. And then look, the draft is getting pushed back. So I'll study on some, some draft guys go a little bit deeper on, on my thoughts on, on this year's draft. We'll have to go, go into that, but I'll tell you, Noah, it was, it was fun. This whole experience was great. I think to collectively start having discussions that only us basketball nerds would have had on a random, you know, on a random Sunday afternoon, like to mm-hmm. all of a sudden get everyone on Twitter talking about what to make of, of Scotty Pippen. Oh, and people start saying, well, you know, I, I put it together today. Uh, that You got the migraine game. You got the, the game where he didn't reenter against the Knicks and man, if he had gone, can you imagine game six, Scottie Pippen doesn't come back into that game mm-hmm. with the back injury, but then you have this perspective where he gutted it out. And uh, yeah, so I really don't know. I think what I'm saying is I have no clue what we're going to do other than uh, <laughs> record some really great podcast interviews.
0: Um, one, more, one more thing to take away from it on the Utah jazz side, John Stockton, mm. 19 years in the league. Went to the playoffs all 19 years. And John Stockton gets crapped on a lot because he's, you know, a six foot white guy. John Stockton was so tough. Playoffs 19 years, all 19 years in the league. Was playing 82 every every season. So I hope that Stockton comes out of this with <laughs> a little yeah. bit of a of a boost to the reputation, also. And and
1: you can't not, and if you're talking Stockton, you have to mention most assists in NBA history, most steals in NBA history, which is just wild. I mean, and he does not get anywhere near the respect that that he deserves as a player, partly because he wasn't self-promoting and doesn't do things like that interview. And I know it was a struggle to get him to do the interview I've heard. And hmm. And then of course, once he did, he said, look, I wasn't going to be scared of the guy. Like, what am I going to do? Let's play. And... I love that mentality about John Stockton.
0: Well, so I'm gl- so glad we're, we're closing our final last dance recap thoughts by talking about John Stockton. Not going to get that anywhere else. Get Adam on Twitter at NaismithLives. I'm at Noah Koslov C-O-S-L-O-V, on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. We go ISO every week also. We're going to have Chad Ford coming up. We're going to have Jarvis Hayes, the Wizards. 10th overall pick back in 03 in the LeBron draft for the Wizards. It was the Jarvis Hayes draft. We'll have that conversation. Go back and listen to Vin Baker and Richard Jefferson, Ryan Russillo, Peter Vesey. Go listen to Peter Vesey talk about his interview with Karl Malone right after the 1997 finals when it looks like Karl Malone wants to punch Peter Vesey in the face. Recommend doing that and check out everything else on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.